Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in to another edition of the Boiler Derek podcast. First one of 2021 here with the Indy Star. I'm your host, Derek Schultz, and the star of the show, as always, even in a new year, is the award-winning columnist, Greg Doyle. Greg, happy new year. Hope you had a great holiday as well. It's been two weeks since we talked to everybody, and man, we got a ton of stuff to get to today. All right, it's a great week in Indianapolis. Let's do this. Let's get it. <laughs> I thought we'd actually lead with the big story from yesterday and obviously your most recent column. And I, I think we all kind of had an inkling that this was going to happen, but I, I just didn't want to like count my chickens before they were hatched. You know what I mean? It was one of those things that seemed like too good to be true. But I remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, the idea was kicked around of one site for the NCAA tournament. And obviously with the headquarters being here, and the fact that Indianapolis is in the Final Four rotation and is known as an event city, our city is the one that that popped up as this would be a, a, perfect, a perfect place to do this should the NCAA choose to do this with the men's basketball tournament. And, of course, that was finalized yesterday morning. But just your initial thoughts and, and reaction to the news and, and what it could possibly mean for our city coming up this spring. Well, my, my first thought was I, I didn't realize it was breaking news. I'd forgotten exactly what I had written, what we had all said back in November when we said SLA was looking at having it in one city, they were talking with Indy, but they were going to talk to other cities. I'd kind of, over time, just like you, I'd, I'd kind of turn that into, well, it's, it's just coming here, and hadn't thought about it a whole lot more than that. So anyway, I, I was a little bit surprised, like, wait a minute, what? And then I realized, oh, okay, it's official now. And, I mean, I'm thrilled. I, I'm thrilled, but my, my, okay, I first told my bosses, I've got nothing to write. You know, I, I wrote it back in November when I wrote that, you know, this is going to be great for us. It's going to be great for the tournament. And uh, I have nothing else to say on it. And then I started thinking about it. And the first word that popped into my head was, oh, my God, this is not a drill. This is this is actually happening. And which is why I wrote what I wrote and why I think the, the big topic here is that can this even be pulled off? You know, this is no one's done anything like this. We've no city has ever played like what happened in Orlando with the bubble, the NBA. That was that was similar in a way but they had a schedule they knew who was playing and they knew who was playing where and it was you know a handful of games and a bunch of pro athletes in a bubble we've never had 68 different groups of college kids playing an elimination thing where if you win you you go on if you lose you go home spread over four or five different cities around town around the state i mean and it just we've never seen anything like this and with tv having to be everywhere and the whole world watching like the nba restart we were watching Everybody's watching, but it wasn't it wasn't March Madness. It wasn't where work stops and the world just shuts down for, for a couple of days when these games are on. Everybody's going to be watching us. It's going to be really hard to pull it off. But if there's any city in America that has practiced enough, d- gone through enough calisthenics and reps to handle something like this in sports, it's us. 
Yeah, and I like in your column that you mentioned Nancy and Slick Leonard because I think, obviously, those are two. I mean, when you think about basketball in Indianapolis or Indiana, those are the two figures that you think of. But also, you know, a couple of other people I, I think to mention when we talk about how we're in a place in 2021 where the entire NCAA tournament can be held here, um, the late, great Mayor Bill Hudnut, and also who has since passed us fairly recently, um, Senator Dick Luger. I think those are two people as well that were really instrumental in creating the landscape that we now are able to enjoy, not only as sports fans, but just as citizens of this great city. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I I did not um, mean to write a story as a – and I left out names like that, right? It wasn't a, uh, hey, here's all the people that made this possible. But I mentioned sure, a sure. few that made it possible. I really mentioned just where it started. Um, and the genesis of this whole thing really is Slick and Nancy Leonard – Saving the Pacers. I mean, I guess, I mean, look, you could go back and say the genesis is, is, you know, the Pacers showing up here in 1967 or whenever they, I don't even know when they started. But if the Pacers go away in 77, which they were going away in 77, no, nothing else has happened since then happens. We don't get the Colts. We don't build Hoosier Dome. We, I mean, nothing, none of this happens if the Pacers don't make it here. So that's where it started. Um, but then from there, it's just been, it's been, what, what 15 or 10 or 15 combination pods and or regionals almost half that many half a dozen or more final fours you know pan am games super bowl you name it we've had every big event we've had an nba all-star game it's been 20 something years but we've had one we are ready our city is ready the infrastructure is ready even the volunteers of the indiana sports corp has ready they're ready you know it's gonna you couldn't just you couldn't just i don't even know who else bid for this if it was raleigh durham or you know, i don't even know but whoever bid for this you're kidding yourselves if you thought you had a chance. I'm not sure Indianapolis can pull this off, but there's one city in America that has a chance, and that's us. Yeah, I agree. Um, just logistically, and, and also the the campus is being close. So Bloomington and West Lafayette and then Muncie, as uh, I, I believe Muncie is like the emergency backup, Worthen Arena, I believe it's called, for where Ball State plays. So even having that close to the city, like no one else has that sort of – a setup like even Charlotte, I, I wouldn't think would be able to do it logistically as well as as we could with the major D one universities and arenas that are around here. Charlotte uh, has one school. Sorry, but Charlotte has one school. They've got Charlotte, UNC, and and Duke and and Raleigh yeah. are in, they're two and a half hours away. They Charlotte couldn't. I mean, nobody could pull. The only state I can think of, North Carolina, maybe you center it in Greensboro, and then within an hour and a half you've got a bunch of stuff. But but you're not here. You're not capability of putting all four regionals we could put all four regionals in our state if we, in our city if we wanted to i think we won't we'll see a regional at Mackey. we'll see a regional at hinkle we'll see a regional at, at iu and we'll see a regional at lucas oil or something like that i mean i don't know but anyway nobody could do what we're about to do this is probably an unfair question to ask because nobody knows the answer to this um but just because people were asking me and i'm sure people were asking you you have any guess at all whether we're going to see fans for this thing or not yeah, I've got a strong, strong guess that we're not. Um, Me too. I mean, right now we're 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 not seeing any fans in Big Ten country, which is where we are. None, and that was a Big Ten decision. That wasn't, you know, those aren't the exact same people making the decisions. They made that decision for a reason. The reason is, you know, this there is there isn't a, a Coron. There's a non-hot state in Alaska idea to play this thing there. So. No, there won't be fans, mm -hmm. and I'm not just saying that because right now we couldn't have fans. Therefore, it's it's we all know. I mean, if you're paying attention, it's only going to get worse. Um, it'll get better someday, 
but in the next two months, it's only going to get worse. You know, that, that, that B117, I'm not even sure how you say it. It's B period, one period, one period seven. That's the variant, the mutation of the, of the coronavirus that is now spreading. And it's more contagious than COVID. It's actually more contagious. Not as deadly, but more contagious. Point is, we're not going to have fans. And there are fans in some high school arenas around the state, maybe all of them. You know, they're allowing a portion of it. Which is malpractice. That that should not happen. You know, I, I do a radio show every week down in, in southern Indiana, in New Albany, and they were telling me that Luke Brown and, and Blackford, were, and this already happened, were coming down to New Albany to play New Albany. And I said, it's a shame, you know, on the radio, it's a shame no one can will be able to watch this because you guys, Luke Brown's once in a lifetime to watch. And they said, oh, no, we, uh, we can let a, a fourth of our, our arena be full. And I on the radio, live radio, I'm almost cursing, like, that's madness. You're... I mean, in the moment, it's fun. You're in the, in the moment. No, it's not like a, a sledgehammer is hitting the arena and it's, it's going to fall down. You're all going to die right there. Nothing like that's going to happen, but that's madness to let people in an arena right now. And it's only going to get worse. So anyway, long story short, there will be no fans, um, but our city will still be overrun with people. 68 teams times all those traveling parties times all the media. And I don't mean just sport tribes. I mean, TV trucks and all that stuff and friends and family, like family members are going to be coming. We're going to have thousands. Five to ten thousand people will be in town. Five to ten thousand people, and that's five to ten thousand people more than we're getting right now. Yeah, and the hotel business. I mean, you think about all of it. Um, you know, it doesn't need to be the bars and restaurants packed to the gills like we would in a normal year, but just to have those rooms occupied and and to give all of those hospitality workers purpose, uh, definitely a good thing for the city, no doubt. Um, you want to move on to the Colts? Yeah, absolutely. that was kind of it. That was an exciting day where you're waiting for the early games and the Colts obviously get the result that they need with the, the, the Miami loss to Buffalo, which was really a blowout from the get go. Um, seven seed. It's not going to be an easy path. You go to Buffalo, who some people think is the best team in the league right now. Your reward if you win that game is you go to Kansas City, who's the favorite. Um, but I, I just think, Greg, that stepping back, it's meaningful for the Colts just the second season removed from what happened with Andrew Luck and being out of the Manning Luck era to get back to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that is people here don't, I don't think appreciate making the postseason because it was such an automatic and a fait accompli for so many years, but it really is kind of a big deal for them to not have the, you know, God bless Phillip Rivers. He's had a nice season. They don't have a franchise quarterback and they're in the playoffs. For the first time without a franchise quarterback since what, like 1987 or, you know, I, I guess the Jim Harbaugh years in the mid-90s. Yeah, we, we have gotten spoiled around here, and, and, and that was great. I mean, Peyton and, and, then, and then Luck spoiled us. Um, but what, what's happening this year is, I mean, just look around the league. Look at all the teams that don't have their – and River, Rivers was a franchise quarterback. I mean, he's a borderline and You're probably right. just a Hall of Famer. It's not like we don't have a quarterback, but, but we, as a city – we went into the offseason without one, without one, knowing Brissett was going to get replaced, but we didn't know how. You don't have one. It's hard to have not one, and then all of a sudden, you got one. That That's very hard to do. And, I mean, look at the New England Patriots. I mean, look what happened to them. They thought they went out and got one, and it didn't work for them. They've got the greatest cheatness coach of all time. So what the Colts have done was not easy. It was not a sure thing. And And I kind of wrote this on Sunday that as it happened in little bits and pieces, you know, you, you get Buckner one day in a trade, you get Rivers one day, you, the draft comes, you get a few guys there, you don't know how good they are, and then it turns out that, you know, Julian Blackman's better than we thought. We found that out in week like seven. It happened in bits and pieces, and I, sometimes you got to take a look back and say, holy cow, this all happened in six months? 
you know, in real time, it felt like, well, yeah, this is happening. Of course it's happening. Over the court, you look at this one six-month snapshot, and it's like looking at a at a at a a building that wasn't built. And then here's a picture of an empty lot, and then here's a picture of a building. That's what happened here in six months, and it should be respected. Yeah, I, I think it's it's great what this team did. You were higher on the expectations than I was, and and the Colts came a lot closer to what you predicted than to what I predicted. I had them as kind of like a nine-ish win team, and you had them, I think, at 11 or 12, and of course they end up with 11. Um, but the way that this season shook out, uh, I think most fans would have agreed you would have taken that. Now, we didn't know that they'd be the last team in the playoffs with an extra slot because of this unprecedented year of power in the AFC. But I think all in all, that this season, uh, you know, barring what even happens against Buffalo, I, I think will be looked at as a successful one. Now, if you go to Buffalo and win, then that's kind of the cherry on top of the Sunday. I know some fans don't look at it that way. They want to win the championship every year. But to me, realistically, um, the Colts have gotten about everything I think that they could have gotten out of this team, certainly out of Rivers. Yeah, and you look at how many factors are involved with this deal, like uh, – if that Tennessee game doesn't just have madness at the end, if they don't complete a 55-yard pass in the last couple seconds and then, then kick a field goal off the upright that goes in, you know, that game goes overtime and maybe they lose and the Colts are at home against the Ravens. Not that the Ravens are easy, but, uh, you know, going on the road to Buffalo against a team that's as red hot as they are, some of that stuff's out of your hands. And, yeah, if you're if you're a great team, you go to Buffalo and you win. The Colts haven't been a great team all year. They've been good. They've been very good, which is very hard to do with no franchise quarterback. So, yeah, if they go to Buffalo, and I think it's steamrolled, that's different. Like uh, in 2014, you know, the Colts, they got to the AFC title game, and in real time, it seemed like they were overachieving, and you look back and you realize, man, they overachieved. But we would have been okay, I think, in real time, disappointed but okay with a competitive loss in New England. Losing 45 to whatever, that wasn't that was not okay. So if they go to Buffalo and get steamrolled, that's not okay. But if they compete with Buffalo – Someone's got to lose, right? I mean, these are all good teams. Someone's got to lose. For them to be right here, right now, and most of the teams in the NFL sitting at home, I think we'd have to take it. No, for but sure. But I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to lose. I'm just saying I know how it's going to get on Twitter with some people. You know, it's the problem is you, you hear from the people that bother you the most or, or, or you notice the people that bother you the most. You don't notice the 30 people that say something very reasonable about great season, I'm proud of, blah, blah, blah. What, what you notice and, re- and sticks with you are the four people that were just complete jerks about it. Like, if, if this doesn't make you happy, two things. One is you're probably not a very happy person, and I feel bad for you. I really do. But two is I'm trying to hang on over here myself. Don't come around me with your unhappiness. If you can't be happy with 11-5, and five, competitive loss to the Bills, if that's what happens, okay, then suffer over there by yourself. I'm sorry for you that you're suffering, but do that. But don't come suffer with me because I don't need part of that. Yeah, I just don't know. Greg, sometimes I don't even realize how people enjoy sports. Like if that's if if that's how you view it, that everything short of a championship is a failure, then like sports are probably not for you, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. You would think uh, there there is a. I mean, I, I've said this a million times, and it's not original. We've all said this, but there are people, and there's a lot of people, and uh, it's possible that I was one of these people myself for several years. That they're just they're really not happy unless they're unhappy because. It's kind of their their baseline setting is to not be happy, so they're kind of comfortable with that. You know, there's there's a reason why some people live in chaos, and you wonder how can they handle the chaos of whatever their house looks like, whatever their life looks like, whatever the chaos looks like. There are people that you look at and it makes your head spin. Like I couldn't live that life. People that live in chaos, 
they all, they seek it out because that's their comfort level. It's like, you know, like I couldn't live in water either, but a fish can. So there are people that, that just their comfort level is unhappiness. That's all they know. And so they look for reasons to get pissed off and uh, they find them in sports. And I think that's why they do it. And, and again, that was me. Uh, I, I don't mean that as judgmental. It's a, it's a sad place to be, but that's what we deal with. And that's why I say, listen, you are who you are and, and God bless you. I hope you get happier someday, but, but keep that crap away from me. Uh, there's a mute button on Twitter and there are so many people out there that have no idea they've been muted because I'm just not going to listen to you. This is a, a conversation that's going to take place a lot in the offseason and probably not this week because the Colts still have a game to prepare for. But, you know, there's been all this talk about what's going to happen with Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold likely is going to be available. Dak Prescott's going to be a free agent. I think most of us agree that Phillip Rivers did well enough this year to warrant bringing him back for a second and likely final year. But how do you think the Colts are going to approach that? I mean, is it a slam dunk that it's Rivers, Greg? Or do you think that they will take a look around just to see? I, I don't know who reported it, but I think it was ESPN and probably Schefter. Someone reported that a lot of teams, several teams, have inquired with the Eagles about Carson Wentz, and the Colts are one of them. You know, and I don't know if that – the Colts, we know with Ballard, is that he's told us if there's a quarterback out there in the draft anywhere – he wants to know uh, he wants every quarterback out there um, for competitive reasons, if nothing else. Like, we're going to play against that guy someday. We want to know how he ticks. And kick tires, you want to know what the value is around the league. You don't know the value of, of a quarterback you really want unless you know the value of some quarterbacks you don't want. So I'm not totally terrified at the news that they're kicking the tires when Carson wins. I'm not terribly surprised either. But anyway, to answer your question, until Carson Wentz ends up somewhere besides here, he is kind of the grill in the, in the room, right? That you just, you know, he he's there. He and Reich have a history. Um, the Colts do need a quarterback. Wentz was a top three pick, and before his injury, was really good. And Reich might think he can rehabilitate him and make him into something better than he was. You know, he kind of did that with Rivers. Rivers wasn't this good last year, so I don't know. I I don't I don't think it's a slam dunk that Rivers is the guy. If I had to bet money, if you told me, we'll, we'll bet your money. Where's it going to go? I'm betting on Rivers for sure. But do I think it's a slam dunk? It's not a it's not a money market that's not that safe. It's more of a stock. It's not an international stock. It's not that dangerous. But it's a stock where you have a good feeling about it, but you don't know. I don't want this to happen, but I would just love to read the column that you would write if the Colts traded a couple of picks and got Darnold here and decided to replace Rivers. Listen, listen, I, uh, <laughs> I, I made it clear to you, um, I've made it clear in, in my stories. Um, I've made it clear to him, to Chris Ballard, that I like him a whole lot. <clears throat> I mean, I like him a whole lot. And I think he's great. I mean, I think he's, I mean, and I don't just like him. He's a nice guy. But no, I think he's great. Um, however, uh, when they tried to sign Josh McDaniels, um, I hated that and made it clear. I hate this. And the Colts have lost their damn minds. And if they trade for Sam Darnold, and they, they won't, I say that, they might, but. If they trade for Sam Darnold, you know, I'm still going to love Chris Ballard as I write that story, and I'm going to love him the next day, and I'm going to think he's very good at his job. But if they trade for Sam Darnold, I'm going nuts. I mean, I'm going to go absolutely nuts. Um, and I could be wrong. You know, I, I don't pretend to know more football than any of these people. But I've just seen what I've seen. I've been tweeting about Darnold since he was at Southern Cal and had all the talent in the world and 6'4", 230, and looked beautiful in the pocket and all that stuff and threw crazy, stupid, dangerous passes all the time because he, he, he thought he was better than he was. I said back then – 
I need to go find that tweet and just retweet it just so I can brag about myself because Lord knows everybody else rips me. But I tweeted, Sam Darnold's the kind of guy, he's going to get somebody fired someday. That's what Someone's going to draft him, he's going to get somebody fired. And it's just the GM of the, of the Jets, I'm sure, has already been fired. He better be. So if they if they <laughs> if Darnold's here, you're going to see angry Greg come out big time. <laughs> which will really the other thing really that me some friends with Darnold, right? That'll that'll really work go over well with Sam right. Darnold when he's our yeah. franchise quarterback for ten years, and I've ripped him. And I did that with Josh McDaniels, knowing at the time he's our coach, he's going to be here for ten years, and I'm crushing him anyway because that's how much I hate it. You, you know, you have a job like you have, like I have. You got to say what you think, even if it's going to hurt you with people down the road. But you, you got to do it. No, for sure. I mean, and and readers and viewers and listeners and all that see right through it if you're not genuine about that. Um, last thing from the NFL weekend, because I did think that this was relevant, even though it came kind of in an irrelevant game um, in the grand scheme of things, because the NFC East is a disaster. I'm sure you saw what happened with the Philly-Washington game, and it was a close game. Washington needed to win to win the crappy NFC East, and Peterson pulls Jalen Hurts and brings in Sudfeld, who's technically the third-string quarterback, if we're counting Wentz as the backup. And Sudfeld is terrible, and, and the Eagles end up losing a close game, and it costs the Giants a spot. And the Giants are all upset about it, and Joe Judge gives this, like, emotional thing yesterday. Um, I think we give winning teams a pass for resting starters. Should losing teams not get that? Like, what's your reaction to tanking like the Eagles did? Because I think it was pretty clear that they intentionally tried to lose that game. Okay, here I come with the other side, and I, and I actually – and meaning this, or at least I'm open to this. They were down three and in the fourth quarter and were throwing into the end zone to get ahead. And people say they're trying to lose that game. They, they tried to win that game right there. They tried to win it. They threw it into the end zone down three and not from the 30, like the eight. Yeah. They had overtime if they wanted it, they went for the win. If Frank Wright does it in a real game, we're like, well, you go Frank. Yeah, it didn't work out, but damn it. We love that you're going for it. They went for the win. The other thing is, is after you know, I saw, I heard everybody on Twitter. I didn't see the, watch it. You know, if if the Colts aren't playing, I'm I'm not watching the NFL. I'm sorry. I you know, I got enough sports in my life. I'm gonna watch UFC or I'm gonna hang out with my girlfriend or my dog, but or her dog. <laughs> really, I'm gonna hang out with her dog more than anything else. But that's the way it goes. But so I didn't watch the game. So I looked up Jalen Hurts' stats. Like man, why they looking like seven? He looked like Rex Grossman. His numbers were terrible. He was like, what, yeah, seven for 19 for 18 yards and three picks? I mean, he was terrible. And everybody's talking about they, they again, they threw into the end zone down three in the fourth quarter, and they benched a quarterback who was having a terrible game. Granted, Sudfeld didn't work out. But Jalen Hurts, with no track record in the NFL to speak of, a couple games, that's it. And this game was terrible, and they tried somebody else, and it didn't work. I just think there's some wiggle room there. I, I just think there is. And I think anybody who doesn't see what I see just doesn't want to see it. And if you don't want to see it, God bless you. But I saw what I saw, and I can't say for sure they tried to lose that game. I just don't know. Even if they did, I, I don't really know what you do about it. Like, what is Roger Goodell comes in and says, you're not allowed to play your third-string quarterback? Like, Doug Peterson's the coach. He could do whatever he wants, right? I mean, how do you force something like that? Well, how do you make how do you make a team try? Look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They they played a bad quarterback with multiple yeah. teams having AF, having playoff hopes on the, on the on the table, including Cleveland. 
you know, I don't I don't know what the permutations are, but if Cleveland loses that game, I don't think they're in the playoffs. Somebody else is. So somebody out there, maybe it's the Dolphins, I don't know. Somebody out there is out of the playoffs because Mason Rudolph played quarterback. Well, how different is that? Uh, how different is that? It's not that the Steelers tried to lose. They just tried something else. I don't know if the Eagles tried to lose. I just, I, I can't, there, there's too much gray here. People talk about this as a black and white issue. There's too damn much gray, and I can't go along with it and go, yeah, but no, no, there's too much gray here. And I, there's a lot of times I'll tell you, I think I know what's going on here. I don't think I know what's going on there. And I don't, anybody that says they do is, is what I told you earlier. People that just, they, they just want to be angry. They want to be unhappy. And also people want to be more than anything. And Lord knows I do it too a lot. People want to be smarter than everybody else. That's why we have stupid conspiracy theories about the election, about this, about that. Because there's a sliver of the population, a sliver, that thinks that I believe this bizarre thing that no one else believes. Me and my sliver, we're smarter than all of you. And, and that's what's going on here with with the Eagles and other stuff is that here's something that it's kind of counterintuitive and and people aren't not everybody believes this I'm gonna believe this because I'm smarter than all of you and I like to be smarter than people I do but I try to save it for times when I'm actually smarter than people and not just times when I'm believing stupid stuff yeah it, because it was a Sunday night game and high profile teams with huge fan bases and big markets I think a lot of it, Kind of got blown out of proportion for sure. I, I think, Greg, what people see is they see the Texans who have nothing to play for fighting tooth and nail in their game, and they feel like all losing. We give winning teams a pass. The Steelers have earned the right to rest guys, right? Or the Colts have earned the right to rest guys. But with losing teams, we want it to be, hey, play 60 minutes and fight till the end and blah de blah 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 And I think that's what pissed people off about it. Okay, well, first of all, Deshaun Watson um, could be an MVP in this league someday. And before the injury was going to be an MVP that year. And Deshaun Watson's great. He's a magician. He's wonderful. And your whole team looks like it's fighting tooth and nail when your quarterback is that good. When your quarterback is Jalen Hurts, you suck. And with Jalen Hurts, the Eagles sucked. That's the thing. They weren't like driving down the field every time. Right. We're just gonna we're gonna hit the brakes, put in reverse, and put in subfield. They sucked with Jalen Hurts. Sucked. And what I, I'm thinking had to happen a little bit is that a few high-profile, you know, they're called on um, Instagram and social media, they're called influencers. There are people out there that just get paid money to tweet about whatever, and they get, they influence public opinion, and, and behind the scenes they're making a lot of money on doing it. It's not the same thing in sports. I'm not saying that's exactly what happened, but that's the analogy I'm going to make, is a couple people, probably a lot of people, thought they saw what they saw. They probably have a lot of followers. And I don't even know who, you know, big-name people, saying the Eagles are tanking. And all the lemmings are like, I'll be damned. The Eagles are tanking. Um, it had all these people come out and said that night in real time, Jalen Hurts sucks. Let's see what Sudfeld's got. Or credit to the Eagles. They could have kicked a field goal, but they're going for the win. If all these people with millions of followers had tweeted those words, we wouldn't be talking about this right now. But people don't think for themselves. That's why it's dangerous having a job like yours and mine is we got to think for ourselves. We're not always going to be right. We're not going to be right every time. But damn it, we're going to think for ourselves. If I'm going to be wrong, I'm going to be wrong because I think it. I'm not going to be wrong because some dumbass in New York with 5 million followers thinks something. The hell with him. He's human just like I am. And I'll put my transcript against his anyway. So I'm getting all fired up. But I just hate the de facto belief that all these conspiracy theories, they're true. Why are they true? Because I'm some ass said it. I'm trying not to curse here because I'm really getting at, angry about this. People think they're so smart because they choose to listen to somebody smart. No, dummy, listen to me. 
Listen to me. <laughs> you mentioned Jalen Hurts sucking. That's a great transition because, God, Greg, it, that game, Indiana and that game against Ole Miss, I, I hate hyperbole, right? And we're kind of in the business of exaggeration. But I don't think I'm exaggerating to say, like, that, that game was the worst possible scenario for Indiana. Like, that game, that outcome was a total disaster. And it, it's part of the reason why uh, this is, you know, talk about hot takes in New York. My hot take was that if I was Indiana, I wouldn't have played in that game because there was nothing to gain outside of, okay, you beat a crappy old Miss team and you, you end the bull streak and you get to cash your check, whatever. Um, to me, that was a, a very high-risk, low-reward game. And the high risk was if you lose it, you end up looking stupid. And they ended up looking stupid, not only because they lost to a, a team that they should have beaten in a bowl that they thought they were better than, but also because of what you pointed out uh, with and, and Zach Ostrom and your colleague at the star with the whole Big Ten patch fiasco cover up, which I don't buy for one second. I, you know, Tom Allen is a, a good guy and an honest guy. I don't believe that Indiana did that unintentionally. I do think that that was a, a thinly veiled swipe at the conference for not backing them up. Well, it wasn't thinly veiled at all. It was a swipe. Now, I know a couple things here. One is IU players initially uh, didn't want to play. They didn't want to play, and they were – and listen, there will be people that, that you know take this like, hey, look, you're just IU. You don't sit out the Outback Bowl. Shut up and go play. You're, you're only IU. You know, you're, not Penn, you're not Penn State or some football factory or whatever. Turn, but that's not how 18, 20-year-olds year old, think. They think they're really good, and, and in this case, they're right. They think they're good. They think they got screwed, and they've got nothing to win down there, and that's what they were thinking. So they didn't want to go, and they they came around, you know, and they they came around, um, but they didn't want to go. Um, and and that uh, that Big Ten patch fiasco was absolutely intentional. I mean, I know that for a fact. It was abs- I mean, we all know, but I mean, yeah. but I know it was in fact it was intentional, and not everybody at IU is happy about it. I mean, they're they're I mean, there's not it's not it's not people aren't in trouble, whatever, but. There are people on that campus that work there that are not happy what went down, uh, because IU. There are people there that understand that that Tom Allen and his people, his coaches, and whoever came up with that decision, players, they were kind of drunk on power, so to speak. They, they were feeling themselves. We're six and one, seven and one, wherever we are. We're better than this bowl. We're better than Ole Miss. Screw everybody. Screw the Big Ten. You can do that when you're Alabama. And you kind of have a track record, and you and you you know you don't just know you're going to beat somebody, but you know you know, you know you know. So it's safe. You're going to back it up. It's like being Floyd Mayweather. He can say whatever he wants because he knows he knows. All boxers, all fighters think they know they're going to win, so they all talk, and half of them are wrong. The best, of the best, no, they know. IU treated the Outback Bowl like we know we know, and you don't. You're just IU. Someday you might be a program that knows you know. But right now, you're just IU. And all you did, had they just lost Ole Miss, had they had the Big Ten logo, had no one talked about IU being shunned anymore, just like other playing Ole Miss, and they lost, it'd, it'd, it'd be a shame. It'd be a little bit worse than the Tennessee loss last year. But that's it, because not that many people would have been paying attention. But the, yeah. the logo thing made everybody pay attention, and it wasn't good. So it is what it is, what it is and what it is was stupid. It was IU feeling itself, thinking it was Alabama, and you're not there yet. But they're still going to be great next year. That loss to Tennessee last year, how crushing was that? Yeah. <laughs> Merely the best season ever followed it. So how crushing is this loss to Ole Miss going to be six months from now? 
Yeah, the seasons all are separate to me. I, I don't think, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of people talk about momentum and all that other stuff. Like, you know, the names and faces change. I just And I don't think it, it discredits everything that IU did this year, Greg. They still beat Michigan. I don't care how bad Michigan is. You, Indiana football beating Michigan is a big deal. Beating Penn State is a big deal. It's just that, you know, that's a game that you, you – a four-win Ole Miss team that gives up 40 a game and 530 yards, and, and that's what you come with? I. It, Really, really disappointing. Um, and I'll, I'll be really interested to see what they do for a follow-up. Yeah, the original follow-up. Uh, I wanted to mention the Pacers as well. Uh, they're off to a good start. I'm one of those people, and I know you guys have written about it on the Star. I can't watch them. I, I have Hulu. I used to have YouTube TV. They used to have a deal with FS Indiana. They don't. I, I can't watch Pacers games. So I try to catch up on stats and highlights, and um, I'll listen occasionally to Mark and Slick do the call, but I, I feel like I'm a little bit out of the loop this year on the Pacers, but they had a thrilling win the other night um, against New Orleans, and uh, overall 5-2 and two off to a pretty good start this season with Nate Bjorgren. Yeah, I, I find it hard to believe that that we still can't watch them on all these platforms, and that includes me. Um, I my I go somewhere else. I go to my girlfriend's and watch it watch them – over there, there, here, I'm here right now. Um, I can't watch it at my place. And on opening night, I found 30 minutes for tip-off. On opening night, that's when I realized, wait a minute, what? Yeah, I'd, I'd heard about there's a fallout and that you can't watch them here and there. And, you know, every year there are people that can't watch certain things. And everybody's always upset. And it hadn't affected me yet, so I don't really pay attention. <laughs> 30 minutes for tip-off, I realized, oh, crap, this affects me too. Um, so it was actually my story that night was, they're a fun team to watch. Too bad you can't watch them. And – I can't believe that's we're, we're still there. I, 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 it's impossible to me to believe, but I, I know it's Sinclair's fault. Sinclair owns Fox Sports 1 and all that. It's not Fox Sports. I mean, I guess it's them, but that, that's like if Indy Star does something you don't like, but Gannett made us do it. Yeah, you can be mad at us. It's us, but Gannett, no one in Indianapolis did that. Someone in Washington, D.C. did that sure. decision. Same yeah. thing with this. No one at Fox Sports Indiana is deciding you can't be on Hulu. We can't. No, it's it's Sinclair that owns them that's doing this, and it sucks. Uh, but yeah, I, what my knowledge of the Pacers is 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 better than most because I, I better be. But I'm not getting to watch them every night either. Every night, all I know is Sabonis. Sabonis is becoming something ridiculous. He's becoming like last year he was a poor man's Jokic, and he still is. But he's putting more money in that Jokic bank. He's not catching up to him, but he's. He's better than a poor man's Jokic. I mean, the guy's. I mean, he's going to average, you know, twenty ten and six this year. I mean, those. I don't know how people do that in, in the NBA. It, it can't be many. You know, LeBron, Westbrook, Jokic, maybe a few more. I mean, he's going to be one of five or six guys with a stat line he's going to produce this year. Yeah, and thank God for the coaching change for Miles Turner as well, because I, I think you're starting to see him develop. And you know, look, we 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 all know that Miles Turner is never going to be a frontline NBA player, but Miles Turner, I think, is becoming the best Miles Turner that he can be at the very least, which is a pretty good NBA player. Well, one thing about NBA coaching that that it's just kind of weird, but it's true, is that the best coaches, yeah, they, they better know basketball, but they all kind of know basketball. They all kind of know it. At, I mean, they all know it, but they all kind of know it at a high level. But the best ones get the best out of their players. And some of them do it differently. Some of them do it with just rings. You know, Phil Jackson had all those rings, and so and, and Kobe bought into it. Everybody listened. Um, Popovich does what he does, and people buy into it. Nate wasn't reaching his players, at least not enough. Um, and I like Nate. I like him a lot, but he was old school and kind of gruff and grumpy. And I guess he didn't have the resume and maybe didn't have the talent on roster. 
um, to do what he was doing. And so guys like Miles Turner, would, would I think they were kind of a little bit overwhelmed. And uh, maybe, maybe a better word is intimidated. And, and, and not in a wimpy way, but more like if I take the shot and miss it, I'm coming out. Or if I go for this block and, get, and foul somebody, I'm coming out. Like it was kind of a high school deal where if you made a mistake, you're coming out or you're going to get yelled at in any event. Bjorkren is uh, much more of a player's coach, and I'm sure he's tough. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not calling him soft, but guys know they can do what they're supposed to do, do what they're gifted to do, and if it doesn't work out, it's okay, do it again. And I think that really helps. I know that helps. What do you have coming on this week? Cold stuff? I'm a, Yeah, you know, I got to talk to our writers. I, I, someone's got to get into Frank Wright going back to Buffalo. I think it's fascinating. So, yeah, Colt stuff. There's a bunch of games this week. You know, the Purdue game on Tuesday night, uh, if you're listening to this Wednesday, but we're taping Tuesday morning. Purdue game got called off. Um, so I, I was going to go to that game tonight. There's, you know, this is a great time of year where this week there's a Pacers game. I'm doing that one. There is a Butler game. There is an IU game. Purdue plays Michigan State on Friday. IU won last night against Maryland. They're, they're on a roll right now. They've won two in a row. So I don't know. I got a lot of basketball this week. But, you know, you wake up on a daily basis, you never know. I have a Paul Westfall obituary column in the paper this morning. It's in, it's in Tuesday's paper. You know, Sonny, I didn't know I was going to write that. I didn't know Paul Westfall was going to die. And people around here have no idea, and and a lot of you don't care. I get it. But you guys don't know that I knew Paul Westfall. And I've got a couple of Paul Westfall stories that illustrate exactly who he is, who he was. And he was unusual. He was unusual in the best of ways. So, And then and then today or yesterday, it's announced that the, 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 the tournament's coming here. So it, it's a fun time of year. You don't know what's happening. Paul Westfall dying is not fun. But it's a, it's, a, it's a fun time of year where you don't know what's happening. And so I can't tell you what I'm going to work on this week because I have no idea. you got to keep checking. It'll Indie be something, Star. though. Star app as well. Like and subscribe. And the Doyle and Derek podcast comes your way every Tuesday on all major podcast platforms. Greg, looking forward to the week. And we'll talk to you next time. You're the best. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.